Welcome to the Let It Out podcast, where we discuss how oftentimes relationships are formed on what goes unsaid. In this episode, you're going to hear a conversation between my father and I, Michelle Pope, where we discuss the dichotomy of the child-to-parent relationship, how to invest in your relationships, some of our personal family history, the prison system in the United States, and the dynamic of siblings. Hey, Dad, how's it going? It's going good. All right, well, let's get started. Drink some coffee. Yeah, so basically, my final project is around expanding the social dialogue within our own lives and talking about uh, relationships that we have with people, you know. I feel like a lot of times society almost has a construct of what the family unit is is like in our case at least right because we're father and son and that influences people's relationships more than you realize honestly because every interaction you have with this person in our case it's father son every interaction you have with me is on this parent to child level and of course that's that's more broad but then if you consider like the own intricacies of our personal relationship right that's everyone, though, on the parent-to-child level, adolescent. I don't know, what do you think about that? Has there ever been a moment, maybe, when I've been a kid that you're like, oh, I wish I could talk to him about this, or, you know what I mean? It could be anything, really. Or maybe I'm, maybe there's nothing. Well, that depends on the aspects of the parent. I mean, some parents are involved, and some parents aren't involved. So there's always things I want to talk to you about and all ages from the time you were born till now where a parent that would be displaced and isn't doesn't play a role in their child's life may not think about that and her book talks about all types of things mostly like her experience being a black woman in America and like founding Black Lives Matter and kind of how that all started and her background, but uh, her father is, so I guess she grew up with a stepfather, the book is really interesting, I would suggest it, she had a stepfather growing up, 
who she just always figured was like she considered her father. But I guess when she was eleven, her mom was like, "Oh yeah, you have a you have a different dad, biological dad." Which is kind of a tough break. Didn't talk to him for a few years. You know, she discovered she had this whole other part of her family that she didn't really know. But I guess her dad was like a crack addict, and that's kind of why he went to jail. I mean, and that's a that's a terrible, unfortunate thing. But there was a scene in the book where she like didn't hear from her when she's an adult, like years later, but still involving her dad because he's going back to prison, and she doesn't hear from him from weeks and weeks. So she's like, because she usually talked to him every day. And she's like looking for him, and she goes to all the places that he hangs out and tries to find him. And then she goes and finally finds her dad in some hotel room, like freaking out, like high on crack. And it ended up being a good moment, or I guess like if you can call it a good, it was a good moment. It was a heartwarming moment, I would say, because her dad is like in this rough state, you know. As far as our conversation goes, it really has nothing to do with the whole backstory. But she says to her dad... Because, like, she's, like, distraught going through something. And she says to him, I just, I really was impacted by the sentiment of it. She goes, I want you to feel like there's nothing you can't tell me to her dad, her as an adult. Which I thought was, like, really interesting because I feel like there's, like, so many parents are, like, I want you to tell me anything, you know, you do something bad, tell me. You know what I mean? That's, like, every parent. Uh, and maybe friends too it's like oh man you can tell me anything I'm an open book but at the end of the day I don't think most people are you know and when it comes to the parent-child relationship um, you know it's almost like parents from a young age have this expectation of their children to like feel comfortable telling them anything when I think most children I'm sure I mean you did when you were a kid realize that parents don't tell children everything I mean and not that they should you know I don't expect like a parent to tell their, like, 10-year-old, like, oh, I was fucking drunk last night or something, or, like, I was having, I was doing whatever I was doing, you know, having some escapade. But I think it's more like, I don't know, maybe you know what I'm getting at? Parents are going to tell their children just what they need to tell them to protect them. Most parents. I mean, you're not going to tell your child something that is going to, harm them or change their views in a way in ways that might be harmful in their how they look at things um i i, I believe parents are going to draw a fine line on what they're going to tell their children i think that's i think that's like you know that's appropriate like you have to have boundaries right obviously but do you think that like i don't do you think there's any harm in that like you i mean you have to know like Let's say, within reason, do you think parents should tell their children more or, like, maybe get outside of this, like, dynamic? I mean, and if you disagree, that's fine. I'm not saying I believe the one way or the other. You know, do you think, like, the, the like, whole concept of, like, I'm your parent, you are the child, maybe ever inhibits the child from, like, gaining some insight or even something as simple as, like, being able to talk to adults better? I don't know. What do you think about that? Once again, there's a fine line on what you should express to your children or tell them, you know, some children, once you get to a certain age, you might be able to handle something better than you can if you're younger. It just depends on where you are in the development of your growth as, of, of, as a person. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't tell somebody that was five years old what I might tell them when they're 15 years old. Yeah. But 
you know, that that's that is part of parenting. And anyone who's listening, sorry about that surprise phone call. But yeah, I, you guys. And that's are... that's why sometimes if you you know parents that have multiple children, you know the older children say, "Oh, you're so much better with them." Well, I mean, parents learn from their mistakes too. So, you know, you're not going to get a hundred percent out of the starting blocks. Fair. I mean, you do your best. Yeah, well, I always feel like you and mom are fairly open with me and Karina. Yeah, our so. dynamics as a family are a little. We're we are pretty open as a family. Yeah. I don't. I think we're pretty transparent as parents. You know, we may have a few hidden secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Who doesn't, right? Um, well, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you have a few hidden secrets. Uh, maybe I. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you want to tell your parents everything too? No, but I think I'd be more inclined to. I feel like it's different being a child because, and hear me out, because, you know, from a young age, like, you see your parents, you see them as an authority figure. I mean, maybe that lasts longer for some people than others. Um, but you see them as an authority figure, and it's almost like, well, how much do I tell them? You know, what will the reaction be? Versus I feel like the other way around, I mean, whether it's good for them or not, the parent can tell the child anything. You know, the parent knows more. They've lived longer. But I feel like the child will tell the parent, you know, based off of how much the parent tells the child, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it really varies. Um, I mean, of course, there's things I haven't told you or told anyone else, for that matter. Um, I mean, not a lot of things. I'm a fairly open person. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll give you a hypothetical. Is there, growing up, is there anything that, you know, let's say this, growing up, was there anything apparent between your parents, like very obvious, that just formed the dynamic, or just really anything? It could be something that was bad or not bad, something funny even, that you obviously knew from a young age or something, or they just didn't talk about, or is it so, or something that everybody knew, but just no one talked about, something like that maybe. You know, well, coming from a, a a family, my parents split when split up when I was young. So, you know, I had to form opinions on my parents as individuals, not as a as a team. They were mom was mom, dad was dad. They had different, so I had different views on on each one of them. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, can you talk about that a little more? <laughs> I mean, what was that like? Uh, it, you know, being raised by your father is, it was, uh, it was, it was good it, sometimes, and it was bad sometimes, not having both parents. Yeah. Um, do you really have to rely on, uh, on other relatives, you know, to uh, form your family a little more. As far as what what did they say it takes a tribe to raise a family? So, when you come from a divided family, usually your one side of the family is going to fill in for the other parent. So, 
Who are some of those family members who you'd say, you know, helped out a lot or a little? I have my uncles, I have my grandmother, my grandfather. Would you feel like you would be more open with, you know, your uncles or your grandfather? Or maybe in different ways than you would with, with Grandpa Warren? I was pretty open with Grandpa Warren. Um, a little different than being open with my grandparents, because they were a different generation. Um, they just came from a different time where they didn't understand things the way that things were, how things were developing society at the time. So, gotcha. Well, I think that's you know that translates today. You know, that's just generational gap. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I probably should have said this at the beginning, but similar, but it's okay. I'll say it now. Similar to what Patrice Conkeller said to her father as a, as your child. I hope that you feel like there's nothing that you uh, that you can't tell me. You know, I would never judge you, Dad. No, I I, I don't think there's anything I can tell you. Yeah. Um. As as parent, you wouldn't want to tell your children anything that would have them disappointed in you so yeah yeah I so I, I think you say that with a full heart but if there were anything that I could tell you that would make you have disappointment or angry are you sure that you wouldn't feel that way or mm-hmm. I'd say there's a difference between, and hear me out, there's a difference between disappointment and judgment, you know. I'd say the difference is judgment, you know, your perspective changes on that person. But I think disappointment is you're disappointed because you know, you know that person's actual character, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like disappointment is um, less of like a permanent change in perspective on someone versus judgment. It's just like you think about them entirely different, at least in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I'm not asking you to like reveal your darkest secrets. I just wanted to let you know that you could probably tell me anything. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I don't think I'd be angry. Maybe I'd be angry, but I mean, no, well, I don't usually say angry. Well, I can honestly say there is nothing to tell you. Yeah, I'm not asking you. (laughs) That you don't know. No, I just wanted to, like, I just think it's an interesting perspective switch, because parents always tell their kids, like I was saying, you know, you can tell me anything, but how many kids really tell their parents everything? Very little, you know. You know, I think of, like, people I knew in high school, I'll, I'll probably change his name for anonymity's sake, but let's say his name is... Uh, Jake I mean perspectively like on the outside he has a very close relationship with his parents but they're very strict and he doesn't tell them next to nothing about his personal life right so it almost has that counter effect you know it's like someone who like would usually be seen as like oh this person has a great relationship with their parents it's like almost not because they have a relationship with them in like a very certain way how well do they actually know their parents or does the parents really know the kid they don't really know anything about each other they've lived together all this time 
the parent obviously cares for them and the other way around, but how well do they really know them? It's like if you're it's like if you're dating someone and they're dating someone else on the side the whole time. It's like they're dating you, but are they really invested in you? Not really. No. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Similar type of thing. You know, like those Well types that's of... what parents have to do. They have to invest in their children. Yeah. If you want to be friends with your children later. Yeah. Because well, you go through different stages of relationships and once your children are your age, then you gotta become friends. You still are parents. You still have to be friends. Or you wanna have a relationship. Period. I mean and I think that's I think that's I think not one that's positive. Yeah, well I think that goes beyond just like parent and child, right? I mean that's just any relationship in life, whether it's with your friends or you know, I mean, teacher to student is a big one. I think it goes outside of being friends with them, just like, I guess, being invested. Like we say, you have to be invested in the person. You know, there's always, like, the teacher, I'm sure you've experienced, who, like, talks at you growing up, and you're like, oh, thanks for talking at me and, like, telling me about calculus in a very literal sense. But, I don't know, I know nothing about you. You know nothing about me. I know. I just come here. Your classroom doesn't feel inviting. Right. It doesn't feel like if I have a bad day, I can, like, tell you about it and check out a bit. No. And I feel like, you know, that's a similar type of thing. Like, how well do you actually know the people that you're talking to? Most of the time, not at all. Even if you're really close to them. You know? Um, yeah. That's, that's really one big thing. There. Unless you just think you're close to them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to like say that you should be questioning everyone at all times, but I think it's more of just saying like we need to slow down and take the time to get to know people better. And pick the people that you spend time with. That's a very important one. Somebody can say, well, I have so many friends. Do you really have that many friends? Do you spend enough time with those people to call them a friend? Just like you're saying, I think you need to be invested in the people that you spend time with. If you enjoy spending time with them. Because we're not going to be invested in people we don't enjoy spending time with. Hopefully. Yeah. You wasted a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Your time and their time. Okay, I'll give you a, a one to consider that kind of goes off of like how relationships are formed on what goes unsaid. Let's take your grandparents, right? Mm-hmm. Your your uh, your grandma was a survivor of uh, Nazi occupation, mm-hmm. right? Fled. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, did she really ever talk about it, or was it just something that was known that you know? She would talk to me about it. Talk yep. to you. Mm-hmm. Did she talk to a lot of people about it? Yeah. No. No. Did she talk to family about yeah. it? Yes. Yeah. Would you say it like impacted her like daily life or just character or things she did or made her extremely a tough woman. Mm. Extremely. And that was known by everyone. Everyone. Just knew that. Anyone that knew her. It didn't need to be said. Didn't need to be said. Mm. She was a very strong woman. Yeah. She let you know many times that she could have done anything she wanted to. And she probably could have. It wasn't for, you know, having to deal with fleeing from Czechoslovakia and the trials and tribulations she had to go through. Mm. 
Because she did all right. So she kept her clothes. She kept her family clothes and and raised three wonderful boys. And she did all right herself as far as being a successful woman, especially in the sixties. Yeah. And being a biracial marriage at that time. She had all the obstacles and that were against her and she seemed to rise above it all. How do you think the biracial marriage impacted her? Like I mean, I obviously we don't know for sure, but Well at least outwardly, how do you think it like affected her like behavior or demeanor, how she navigated the world? Well, there was a misconception of when you, they were in Europe and the soldiers are the Americans um, the American soldiers were made to be everything they had the best of everything they had the best quarters they had the best everything when they got here to the United States she didn't really know what racism was like here mm. but until she got here and then they, the soldiers didn't have then they were back on the bottom they didn't have all the luxuries that they had there and she had a big eye-opener when she got here mm. and having mixed children you know they had to you go to different swimming pools they couldn't eat in certain restaurants as a family they couldn't do things in the open as a family it's like almost living in a pandemic inside your house mm. Mm. Uh, that's how I, I could see it from how she described it so it was tough she you know she was she was Avon Queen for seven years in a row. She sold more Avon than anybody in the United States of America. But she couldn't win certain prizes anymore. She couldn't go to certain gatherings because she, her husband was a black man. Mm. So, you know, it was, it was probably tough. Mm. Tough for a while. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, that makes so much sense based off of a lot of things I've been reading. You know, we've read James Baldwin now in this class. He's an activist and author uh, who was big during the civil rights movement of the 1960s and grew up in, the, in Harlem and uh, moved to Europe for a while, to France. So he had that outsider perspective as well. But he experienced it, you know, so he had the experience as a black person in the United States and then left. But... You know, that's interesting to describe great-grandma, like, didn't really have a, a perspective, you know, having to deal with Nazis being yeah, well, yeah. persecuted and then not yeah. having to understand them, understanding of Jim Crow and having to come here and, like, oh, I'm sure that was... Yeah, to be, a, to be Jewish and leave your hometown where people were being yanked out of their houses and shot and then come to America and have another type of racism that was... She had to deal with it. It's a quite awesome story to overcome. Yeah. Do you think it ever like affected Grandpa outwardly? Is it something he ever talked to you about when he was raising you? He never spoke on that. Um, he was such a kind man that he he didn't talk about negative things at all. Mm. I just know he uh, he never wanted to take the family home again to Virginia. Um, 
I think there was a lot of tension there. So when they came to the West Coast and they came to Washington, this is where they made roots, right here. What about Grandpa Warren? You didn't get any like effects on him permanently or no? I mean, that has to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, it affected him. He wouldn't, I mean, just until recently when he did the Bloodline Timelines uh, art show, I think he was still having identity uh, problems as far as dealing with his own um, being being black and being white. I think that he never really got over it growing up. Mm. You know, he never really claimed his black roots too much, mm. but he he sure would like to grab a hold of them now, which. Yeah. It's totally understandable. I, th I think he thinks he may may have uh, I think if my grandparents were alive, he would think that he might have disappointed my grandfather a little bit mm. by not paying more attention to that side of his bloodline. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I find that interesting too. Um, because, I mean, as far as I can tell, I mean, Grandpa Warren has gone through, I mean, he's faced like the struggles of black men in America more than a lot of people I know. I mean, uh, independent artist has been to prison. That's interesting for you to say that he's just, you know, really getting in touch with it now. Um, considering that he's had such a, like, it, it's almost unfortunate to say, but like authentically black American experience. And both the, in the best and worst ways. Um, yeah, I agree with that. That makes You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I've never really spoke with him on his on his stay in, in the big house, but. Where was he, do you know where he's had to stay? McNeil. McNeil, mm -hmm. before they changed McNeil, mm -hmm. yeah. But he did a lot of time at Halfway. Mm -hmm. And on the, um, they had a camp on the island. So he wasn't, he did do some time in, in the actual inner prison, um, but not, not very long few months. Mm -hmm. But he never really talked about it a lot. No. Not with me. That's where you go back to the protecting your child. You know, I, I understand that, protecting. But I feel like there's some people who would totally disagree. They'd be like, I have to tell them everything so they don't do the same thing I do. So I guess there's two sides of it. Well, as far as giving me advice from winding up, like... He did in trouble. Oh, he gave me much advice. But as far as talking about what went on inside those walls, we've never really spoke on that, mm. except positive things that were going on. And for the most part, a lot of it was all positive, because he was a changed person when he came out. Yeah. So, I mean, a hundred percent changed. So it was a positive experience. And when you take a bad experience and turn it into something good. 
I mean, your grandfather went in, he was displaced, he was always running around, he didn't really have a focus on, on, a, on a business aspect of what he wanted to do. He had a degree from college. Yeah, he sold art, he was an art dealer, but he wasn't focused on himself. And when he came out and started doing his own artwork, that was, that's a wonderful thing. It changed his life. He was in great shape. He was 42 years old. He was running 429 in the miles. Uh, he was in wonderful shape, running 52 seconds in the quarter mile, 42 years old. Um, it changed him. It was, it was a, like I said, a bad experience turned good. He married Liz when he was in prison. She married him at the prison. If it wasn't for that, there wouldn't be Warren, there wouldn't be Andreas, which are positive to him, um, to all of us. I'm glad they're here. I was jealous when they were born, but I'm so glad they're here now. You know, so you say it changed Grandpa for the better, so, I mean, obviously, obviously it affected how he interacted with people afterwards. Or his whole character, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he always had the gift of gap. Yeah. I mean, he always knew how he could interact with anyone. But it changed who he wanted to spend his time with. Mm. Like what I just said to you. He didn't have time for anybody that he didn't want to invest time with anymore. Mm. I understand. And that's how he lives now. Yeah. He will not invest time into anyone that he doesn't really want to be around. Mm. Which is a good quality. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he said he didn't really talk to you about it. I mean, not that I want to know, like, <laughs> what he had to do while he was in there. I'm sure it wasn't pleasant. Um, I mean, luckily, it's, I don't want to say luckily. That's he, found, he found ways to get through. Yeah. You know, he wanted to be outside, so he he found a job that he could do that he could be outside. He did gardening, so he could actually be outside, work with things that are living. You know, find things that you can take your mind off. Find the beauty within anything that's bad. Mm. And that's what he did. Well, that's kind of cool. I never really heard these things before. Yeah, he he was going to work on the on the the ferry, well, the, the boat that took you from Stillicum to McNeil. Yeah, but he was, he was, he was deathly scared of water. He doesn't really like water. So that was out. And then the other choice was to do gardening. So that's what he did. Mm. And then he got into running. And then the guy, then the prisoners were really stoked for him because he started clipping off times. So, and then when he was doing the quarter mile, well, once again, I, I think you could, you could ask many 42-year-olds. I don't think very many are running 52 seconds. Yeah, hey, I couldn't run 52 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so, I mean, they were pretty stoked, you know? So he built the friendships and res people that started to respect him mm. within that environment in itself gotcha. speaks a lot for itself. I think so too. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they always say 
coaches always say the proof is in the pudding. So, and that's how your grandfather's always lived too. I think that helps him a lot. You know, your character will come through no matter where you are. Yeah. Well, right, let's diverge a little bit. Um, not to get weird, but I'm going to ask you something personal. Well, not so personal. You know, Grandpa Warren has a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Some that maybe you don't know so well. Because, you know, he's had a lot of different kids. Does that weird you out? How do you feel about that? Honestly, it's a real question, Dad. How many siblings do you have? How many? A lot, right? You got to count? Let's count. That's okay. <laughs> well, there's Michael yep. that you just found. Yeah, on a 23 and me. Very weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Uh, there's Pierre. There's Richard, Nicholas, Andreas, and Warren. Maximilian? And Maximilian. That's nine. Have you met all of them? I have not. How many have you met? I mean, you know uh, Andreas and Warren really well, obviously. And I, and I know Richard, and I know Nicholas. Richard and Nicholas. Mm-hmm. So Pierre and Maximilian. I do not know Pierre. I do not know Maximilian. I do not know Michael. You don't know Michael, yeah. Mm. Keep forgetting about Michael, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, does that, does that, I don't know, that must be interesting, just because, like, I don't know, Karina's my half-sister, even though I, it's not like I ever would say, like, you know, it's whatever, like, just biologically, she is my half-sister, even though she's my sister, we grew up together, but I can't imagine, like, having... It's a little strange, the Michael one, it, it really threw me off, I mean, if we... We're in the kingdom, and he was, Grandpa was king. I would have been knocked off my throne, and I don't know. I might have been a little bit like Thor. I mean, what was in Lion King? Oh, um, yeah, I hear you. Uh, scar. Yeah, scar. I might have had a little yeah. scar in me. Yeah. But that's not the case, and I realized that Grandpa raised me. He didn't raise him. Hmm. So, my relationship. It's always going to be stronger. No, I, I mean, obviously, right? Yeah. I mean, he doesn't even like, really know him at all. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think that's the point. I mean, more or less, like, I couldn't imagine not knowing Karina. Oh, point. do I want to know? Or any of them, really. I mean, for me, and hear me out, like, Karina's biologically my half-sister, but I still can't, I mean, she's my sister. I can't imagine not knowing her. Like, let's say I didn't, even considering, you know, the distance if I had never known her or had only met her a few times I would still feel kind of weird about it personally like I would still be like oh that's so someone I'm half related to is out there you know the, the bond of sibling don't you think that's a little you know what do you think about it well also you're related to a uh, uncle Christian on your mom's side is your right. half brother so you have 10 siblings that's insane 10 siblings yeah but all my siblings are tremendously younger than me. Yeah. Christian is 10 years younger. That's the closest, except with the exception of Michael. Yeah. Which, we've lived 50 years and didn't know each other. So that's a, that's a little different. Um, do I have this urge where I need to know him? No. 
I grew up a single child mm. most of the time. I mean, until I was 10, and then Christian came along. But Christian didn't live in my, I will say my world, or in my town. He, he was a military kid my, with my mom and my stepfather. So that was a little different. But as far as Warren Andreas and anyone else, there, there was a 20 year gap. So when I speak and say, I don't really have that yearning to know any of them, it's because I grew up as a single child the whole time. I mean, I was a man, practically. Yeah. When anyone else was born. Mm. If the opportunity came, I, w I would I would be open for it, but no one's ever came to lift me up. Hmm. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you think maybe they would feel weird about it because, like, since you were raised by Grandpa, they'd almost feel like, well, we're the ones who, who never met him or really knew him so well. You know? Why would we have to lift you up? Well, yeah. They probably feel that way. That's probably why I heard from them. And truthfully, Bridger and Nicholas, I have wanted to talk with them. And I, especially in the last few years, a lot more than ever. And I wouldn't be surprised if I do speak with one of them. Mm. I think it will be Nicholas before it's Bridger. Especially with some views that he has right now with his own problems with trying to identify his feelings with grandpa. Mm. So, and I think he needs to get a little different perspective. And I think I'm the one that needs to guide him there. Mm. Because he thinks he missed out where he didn't have his father around where I could shine a light on him and tell him the same thing about not having your mother around. Mm. So I was raised by our father but I didn't have my mother around. He's had his mother around, but he didn't have his father around that much. So he, he's just missing it. He's not seeing how it needs to be because he just had a, a daughter. Mm. He's a new dad. Yeah. So he's kind of trying to figure that parent thing out. On, And he's trying to figure it out by either what he thinks he missed or he, he, he feels this more love for his child than he thinks his father felt for him. He feels like he didn't have an example. Yeah, he didn't have an example. Mm. Where he did. He had, a, he had a grandfather where I had a grandmother. And he just needs to know that so you, there would be no confusion. You can have a part-time father coming in the way with the role of grandfather, that is the authority role, is the father figure, when he lived in the same town with his grandfather. Mm. And he should know that his father and his grandfather had spoke on that, mm. which he doesn't. Gotcha. My, our father agreed that he would not confuse that situation. So I mean, you gotta, just give and take a little. Yeah. Where yeah. Well, I think my mother stayed away too because of the same reason. 
I had such a strong grandmother. She wouldn't have went for that confusion where someone had to play the role. Yeah. As a parent. It's Not a, a part-time parent. No, it's, yeah, and it's interesting how uh, other family members can pick up that role, you know. Mm. I mean, we're lucky to have that as people, don't you think? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I think so, right? No, we have a great family. Yeah. On both sides. Do you think, I mean... I think your aunt, I think Amy's always been there. I think our mom's whole side of the family is a great family. That was one positives when I met your mother. That's the first thing I noticed was their tight family. That was important. Yeah. They weren't, it wouldn't have been the same. Hmm. But they were super strong, super tight. Gotcha. Yeah. And I came from a super tight family too. Hmm. No, I hear you. Yeah. That's just crazy, man. Ten siblings. But I hear everything you're saying, and it makes plenty of sense. Um, here's one. I don't know. It, I mean, it'll happen eventually. Hopefully not, at least for another five or ten years. When Grandpa passes away, do you think they'll come? All of them? Or do you think it would be weird to see them in that setting? I think if they come for that, they have came too late. Yeah. So I hope not. I hope that's not the setting when I see them. Yeah. Because it will be strange. Yeah. It won't be a comfortable environment. It's not like we'll hug and that's when we become brothers. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I would hope that, that they would reach out much sooner. No, I mean, so would I, but you could see where maybe they would, right? You know? I think maybe a couple. I don't think they all will. Yeah. I mean, you know, some people have weird views, you know, with death. And they're like, oh, well, maybe I never, never knew you, but, you know, I wouldn't exist, to exist without you or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I really think your grandmother's going to make arrangements where that's not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Do any of them look like grandpa? Quite I don't know. You don't know? What I you would know? assume so. You don't know what they look like similar? No. No. Uh, Nicholas does. Yeah. But Maximilian looks... Mostly like your grandfather. Hmm. Yeah. Maximilian. Hmm. I've seen him at the bowling alley once. He was in Washington? Tacoma. Tacoma? Mm -hmm. Oh, weird. Seen him at the bowling alley. I don't know if I've ever been. And I thought I was looking at your grandfather, a young grandfather. That's weird. Your brother lives in Tacoma and you don't talk to him so much. Why is that? Have you guys ever had like a falling out or something? No, we haven't had a falling out. It's just the whole circumstances. I mean, maybe maximum, not to say weird, but like, I don't know. When he was born, he had, with his mother, his mother was with someone, and um, that gentleman raised him like his own son, and he loved him, and he was well-to-do, well-to-do gentleman, and uh, my dad promised that he would... Let that relationship flourish. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, confuse that. I don't think Maximilian knew for years mm. that he that that he wasn't his father. And when it did come about, it was because Maximilian got sick. Mm. He had sickest stuff. Mm -hmm. 
So it was, that's why he found out that he wasn't his father. But Fidiad didn't want to hurt his father or hurt him. Did his father know? He didn't know. He didn't know? So, was he white? The person who raised Maximilian? I, you know, I don't know what is. Because that could, I mean, that would be even more interesting. He, he may have been. He, he may be. But his mother, um, what, what is she? She's um, Indonesian. Mm. So, He may not have known because Indonesian yeah. people have a skin tone to them that where he would have a little bit of pigment to him. And, um, yeah, my father just didn't want to hurt everybody involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really loved him as his own son. Yeah. So, why would my dad do that? Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But he knows now, obviously. My dad knew the whole time. No, I'm saying Maximilian knows now, obviously. And that's a hard thing, too, to know yeah. you have a son and be willing to... Because he did love the one... He loved Liz, Liz one oh. at one time. Gotcha. I mean, to just bite your tongue and let it go, play its course. Mm. I, I don't know if I could do that. No, that would be hard to do. Mm-hmm. Jeez, I didn't know this. Yeah. Mm. See, right now we're expanding the dialogue. Yeah. But she was she was going to have a good life with him. And, and uh, like I said, I'm not going to say the person's name, but the gentleman, he's, he was, uh, was well-to-do, and he, you know, he provided quite well for them. Mm. So why mess up what she had? Because yeah. my dad wasn't going to, they weren't going to be together regardless. Yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, there's some moving pieces. I understand. I mean, would you ever, have you ever felt inclined to talk to him, though, considering how close he is? I mean, since he knows now, when did he, when did all this happen? When did he find out? 90s, maybe? Early That's when I would not. No? No. Because I have my differences with his mother. Mm. And that just wasn't a good time. Yeah. So I would leave that one be. Gotcha. He has his own life. He doesn't need to be. There's nothing, yeah, we wouldn't have any good things to talk about as far as timelines. Maybe just being brothers would be one thing, but he would, that would be something he would have to say to me. Gotcha. Yeah, because he may not want to visit that at all. You can always start anew. You don't have to talk about the past at all. Hey, I'm your brother. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, you know. You like sports, man? I don't know. You don't have to do small talk. Like, it's obviously... like. Well, he's old enough now. I could... And times have changed. You probably just go on Facebook and I could see what yeah. he's into. Yeah. If I wanted to. Have I ever tried to look him up? No. No. 
How old is he? Maximilian? If you had to guess, roughly. Maximilian would be about 30... Two? 32. 32. Mm -hmm. Young? Yeah. 32, 34 at the most. 33. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. You don't know a lot about Pierre? No. No. No, I, I know that he... Uh, owns his own business. And he's uh, on the auto body, not auto body, but uh, he's an auto mechanic. He has his own shop, and he does pretty good. I didn't know his mother. Mm. No. Yeah, gotcha. Pierre, I do not know much about at all. He's never come to visit. I know he had a pretty, uh, pretty tough mom though. So I think he was raised pretty good. Mm. Do you ever talk to your grandpa about these things growing up, or I guess you know you said he, you were already an adult by the time all this was happening? No, I didn't talk about the kids that were born age or anything. It was, it was embarrassing to me. Mm. Think it was embarrassing for grandpa. He just let it go. Yeah. He should have been. Mm. I mean, he took care of his responsibilities, but to, it, it drained from our side, our family. I mean, they're paying all the child support. Mm. Yeah. Which he did. He did for everyone. So, but I mean, that's not being greedy, but just. It's not that I had never, I had everything I ever needed, but the mental, the strain that you put on him and the responsibilities he had to go, you know, you could, you just knew that that played a part and he wasn't ever concentrating on himself a little bit. Mm. That's why I said when he went to prison, it was more or less a vacation. He finally could get himself together. Mm. I mean, that makes a lot of sense now. I mean, everything makes a lot more sense now hearing all of this. Well, you know, what? I was going to say, you know, your grandfather, he was, um, he went, he went to Centralia, he went to Washington State, and he got his college degree, but he was just a victim of circumstances. He made some bad choices. You know, he was working at the Rack and Q. One night, police came in and raided it. He went to clean the pockets and found found a handful of drugs and made a bad choice. Do you think him having to pay child support maybe led to him feeling like he had to... Oh, come up with money? Mm -hmm. mm. At least maybe part of it, subconsciously. Sure. I think... Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, at that time, he already uh, he had already been in in that game for a while. So it, w it was what else? 
What's he going to do to come up with that kind of money that fast? That's all he could see at that time. Yeah. And that's why I said that when he stepped back and was out of out of and when the picture for a while. the Reagan era or sooner? Oh, all through that era. All through that. Well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right? all through that, yeah. That doesn't help, yeah, right? Yeah, all through that. Um, yeah. I mean. And what do they say on Boondocks? Ronald Reagan is the devil? <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fat, fast activity going on. Yeah. I mean, he had to be taken out of it for a while to see that he needed to change. But I mean, in the '80s, you could buy a Porsche for fifty thousand dollars. Your grandfather's making twenty thousand a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Put it in perspective. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm like, I don't know, like. I don't think any of this takes away from like my understanding of Grandpa or how I view him at all. Like I said, I, I don't judge him on any of this. And I can't imagine, if I was in the same situation, I don't think I'd even handle it, not even half as well. Um, well, he was always kind. You know, he's a good person. Yeah. But, you know, you get caught up. It happens to the best of people. Yeah. Yeah. You get caught up and you just lose your way. Sometimes, but some at least some of us don't lose your way and do things that you can never reverse back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and he never did those anything like that. Yeah, that was something you can change. Can't change when you kill someone. No. Can't change when you do people too wrong where. That's all you are. Your grandfather's never been that way. He's always the guy to do for people, take care of people. So. I understand. I mean, Grandpa's always taking care of me. Yeah. He's always been one of my closest relatives. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a person that takes care of people, not a person that uses people or takes advantage of people. No, not at all. Mm. Not at all. Not in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess um, while we're on the topic of, topic of siblings, I mean, I guess we're going to diverge a little bit again. You know, like I said, Karina's my half-sister. Even though I'm like, it's not like I introduce her as like, oh, this is my half-sister, Karina. Like, you don't do that, right? Because that's just not how Karina and I think about it. Like, Karina and I are extremely close. She's your sister. Exactly, exactly, right? We grew up together. But, like, but at the end of the day, biologically, you know, we are half siblings, right? Biologically. Well, yeah, biologically, and I don't, I don't feel weird about it at all, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, Karina and I talk about it all the time. We don't feel weird about it at all. No. We didn't raise you guys to feel weird. No, 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 no. I mean, and some people do, right? Mm-hmm. Based a lot of times by what they don't say or what they do say, you know. Um, I think that's almost like a more common dynamic though in like the step child situation, but that's a whole other thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that's different. But. I don't know, in almost a similar, not similar, I mean, not the same, but I'd say similar. Karina has siblings she's never met. True. You know? And maybe she, I don't know if she thinks about it really, you know? Um, And obviously, like, like I said, we never really thought about it in that way. You know, like, Karina being a half 
my half-sibling, and I didn't even mean anything about it that way. Mom didn't. None of us did, really. I don't know. But you gotta think, do you think it would ever been better if we did talk about it more growing up? I or think no? it, I think it'd be the same. You think it'd be the same? Because I don't, we wouldn't hide it. Yeah, I mean, you guys didn't hide it, but I mean, we weren't exactly screaming it out loud. Do we need to? I don't know. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I mean, can you look in the mirror and see that? Yeah, I mean, not. I mean, <laughs> your sisters. No, no, no. Filipino I, I no, I agree. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not like trying to give like hypotheticals, like shoulda, woulda, couldas, because I don't. I don't think we shoulda, woulda, or coulda done anything different. Really, we just did. Oh, what happened is what happened, and I think everyone is better for it. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. Do you think like? It's almost just the like the feeling where it's like. You know, everyone knows something, but it's like, oh, maybe it'd feel good just to say it. I don't know. Do you think Everett Cream has ever wanted to talk about it or no? I mean, it's hard to say. You don't know. I think if she did, she would have talked about it to mom. Mm. So I think those are the only two that I know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, have you ever felt weird? What was it like, you know, dating a woman and then she has a kid and then you, you end up raising a kid from a young age? What was that like? When you when you first met mom and things were starting to get more serious, I'm it was sure, great. I'm sure you thought because Karina was wonderful. I think that was a package deal there. Mm. Karina had a great little personality from the time I met her. Mm. As soon as she seen my family, my, my grandfather was grandpa was all skitty about her. That he loved children. Mm. I mean, you would have, you would have, you would have been. <laughs> he would never left you alone. <laughs> he would never left you alone. Mm. He he just loved kids. So and he really liked Karina a lot. Mm. I think that was part. Yeah, of I mean, it. you know, you know, you know what he said when he heard the story. I don't know. On his deathbed. Mm. He said, well, and come over there. And this one, like, a few people were kind of, you know, still on the, is this really, is this a real thing? Is this really, you know? And then Grandpa said to her, I mean, he was at the hospice. It was the last words we got to say to him. He said, come here, come here, little girl. And he said, you take care of your dad. Mm. And she was only like, and it was <laughs> I mean if you ever had a moment that would cheer you up that was one mm. you think that kind of solidified no she was older than that older? she was older than that because a year almost a year later you were born mm. so she was already five six years old almost gotcha do you think that almost like solidified your and Karina's relationship in that moment? In a way? Oh, I already knew You're at that moment I was never, ever going to change what I had with Karina. Mm. That had never happened. I was never going to disappear and be some guy that was around her for four or five years. And yeah. then mom would maybe meet someone else and maybe that would work for mom or maybe it wouldn't and then there'd be something else around that she was calling dad you know what I mean yeah. she had a dad that's who she thought was her dad and she thought I was going to be her dad the one commitment I was going to make in my life that was the commitment I was going to make period 
I mean, yeah, I just think that's so honorable, Dad, and I, I really respect that about you. And, you know, I don't know if he ever, you know, meant for you to hear, hear this, but I remember one time a few years ago, Grandpa told me he thinks that's maybe the coolest thing you've ever done. Well, they, a lot of people were thinking against it, that, but they didn't realize how strong I felt about it just from being a child that didn't have both of my parents around. Mm. So it wasn't something that I was going to be irresponsible about. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, how old were you when you met? I mean, I was ready to do that. But was I ready to have a child with your mom? We weren't ready until you came around. I was 30 years old. Mm. Would I have been ready at younger? I mean, would I have been ready at 24 to have a child when, when Karina was born? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. But when she did come into my life, it... It just, it was, it just was right. It felt right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Some things you can't stop. You just, they just feel right. Mm -hmm. You just know when you know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine having a child till I'm at least like in my mid-30s, but I mean, who knows, right? Right. Yeah, who knows? It's hard to say. Yeah. Maybe next month. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Even though Aubrey's cool. Yeah, Aubrey's cool. Yeah. Aubrey's great. Super cool. I'm going to interview Aubrey, too. Yeah. Later. Just on the record. She's real cool. I think so, too. Um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting. If, I mean, if you don't really think about it in that way, but you and Karina are in a, almost a similar situation in that regard. Siblings that you reared together, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Have you ever talked to her about it like that? Because, like, maybe it's hard for you to talk to her about this stuff. I don't know, like, what your guys' relationship like that is. See, like, my perspective is so different. Like, you and Mom are both my biological parents. I consider Karina my sister. You know? I think our relationship strong enough to where if she did anything, I've always told her. She wanted me, anyone on that side of her family, that I don't think, it would, I would think about it. But yeah. I, I don't think it would change anything with me. No, I don't think it would either. I mean, like you said, Karina's already an adult. Yeah. Just like if you were to meet, like, your other siblings now as an adult, like, you've already lived X amount of years of your life mm -hmm. at this point. It's not like you're going to become best buddies with them now. No. But, I don't know. We laid the foundation out that we want to be, your mom and I. Yeah, I'm just and saying. And that was just for you two to be as close as you could be. Yeah. That's all that matters. No, I, and Karina and I are very close. We call each other almost every day. Um, I just, I just mean as far as like, and I don't. I Karina hasn't told me that she's going to or has planned on doing it. But let's say like, Karina did decide to like reach out to, not her biological father, but like let's say, a sibling. Yeah, an aunt or something. Anyone. Well, doesn't matter. Well, let's just for the sake of this, let's say a sibling, right? I mean, you as someone who has siblings, multiple siblings you've never met. I don't know. Maybe you guys would relate in that way. I'm just saying, like, I don't like I was saying, I don't know how much you and Karina have ever really... I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it, but, like, how often, how much, I don't know. But I'm saying, let's say you did, hypothetically. I think that's something that you and her can bond on, because you get, like, maybe never really... I don't know if you ever thought about it in that way. You guys both have multiple siblings, you know, whether or not they're half-siblings that, I mean, that you never met. 
Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure you guys have had a similar curiosity. I think if... It, you know, each case is uh, probably different Yeah. for people. You know, I think people, when they do reach out, sometimes it's because they're just curious or sometimes they feel like they're missed out on something that they're yearning that they have to try to find. You know, maybe if you didn't have a mother that raised you or a father that raised you, then you would always still have that, where are they? You know, I, I, I think that's why I don't tend to want to reach and find, uh, you know, meet my brothers or, because I, I do have two and then I have Christian too. So I, I know them, I don't really feel like I'm missing out because I do know a few of them, but you know, like I said, each case is different. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's easy for me to say, I know all of my siblings that I, that I know of. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know them all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know all my siblings, and I guess it's easy for me to say, like, oh, but what if we have something in common that we didn't even know, you know? But, like, oh, well, like, I, what do I know, right? Um, yeah. But your sister may one day. May, maybe. Maybe. And that's something that she has to deal, deal with. Yeah. That's her, her story. Yeah. Well, we'll just wait and see. Yeah. I think you guys are all get to the point to where you're in when you start your careers and she's in hers and you'll start your own families one day. Things will change. But we'll just see how that goes. And I'll be an old man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you two have have the foundation laid out as far as your relationship. And that's good to hear that you said that. That you feel very close to her. Oh yeah, Karina and I tell each other. She has your back. Yeah, Karina and I tell each other. We talk about it and all that stuff. Sometimes she was six years old and we asked her. If she wanted to have a baby brother, she said, yeah. She was involved in the process. Well, you got to be careful. You're on recorder. You got to word that a little better. She asked as far as what you're saying? No. We asked her before we, oh, okay. if she would mind having a sibling. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because we wanted to... <laughs> put in her head that there was a good chance that she was going to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't want anybody being jealous or mad or start, you know, talking about it. Just make our family a little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you were a handful. No. <laughs> and she had a lot to do deal with you know you coming up your sister was always right there always there for you 
sometimes but think about it That's what I'm saying. They're they're tight as tight. Yeah, they have a, they have a, their own whole relationship thing though, all of them. And I mean, not to sound like a chauvinist pig here, but they're all women too, which I know allows for a different type of bonding. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as far as the brother-in-laws, I think we just know that, and we just. We just let it bounce off. <laughs> yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. A matter of fact, I know we do. <laughs> so. Well, I hope, I hope this has been good for you. Yeah, I've got a couple more questions, okay. and then we can end it up here. And I'm, we're just really freestyling right now. Like I said, I think... I think it speaks to the prompt as far as what we've talked about so far because just on the record here there's a lot of this that I didn't know um, you know you hear bits and pieces of things growing up and you can assume things beyond said but I think hearing this you know only makes me more happy about you know my upbringing and how I was raised and what I did know so I think hearing this if anything, just like strengthens my own personal perspective. But yeah, we're gonna diverge a little bit here again. So dad, you've been to jail, not for long. Yeah, you're rolling your eyes, but you have, you have. But I think that says something, you know? Um, like even you as somebody who's biracial, like arguably passing, like so many people in America so many working class people, uh, low income white people, biracial people, any marginalized person, I mean, any low income person for that matter or working class, ends up in jail at some point in their life. You'd be, you would be so shocked by the numbers. I'm sure you already know it's a high number, not to say that you don't, but like, I mean, so much more than like most people like actively think about end up in jail at some point. And for some circumstances, in some circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, what was it like for you? I don't, you know, if you don't mind talking about it a little bit. You don't have to talk about it a lot. You know, for me, my circumstance was just pure stupidity. Hmm. I mean, you fall asleep in your car and you go to jail. So, you know, I, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, there's... Do you think you should have gone to jail for that? Falling asleep in your car? No, I shouldn't oh, have went. No, yeah, exactly. No, I shouldn't have went. No. No, I shouldn't have went that night. Um, what my yeah, I'm a pretty I'm pretty tough when it comes to not tough as in strength, but just as a person when it dealing with all types of people. So jail didn't bother me, you know, at all. But I could I 
I could see where if you're, you know, where where you could be looked at and you're wrongfully put in jail for some some things, and some people are stuck there for a long time for 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 things that they shouldn't even be there for. I mean, I've I have a friend that did a year in county for peeing behind the building. Mm. He's a black guy. Damn. So a year in prison for peeing outside. A year in county. Wow. One day shot. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, there's all types of things like that. And I'm sure, you know, we've, I mean, I've, I've read about it, you know, in class, outside of class. But, I mean, crack and cocaine are the exact same drug. Cocaine is just free base. It has no base on it, no uh, baking soda or whatever they're using as a base. The difference, the differences in sentencing for the two drugs, because we know who's usually doing cocaine, middle class to wealthy white people, mm-hmm. and who's normally doing crack, which is cheaper, more low-income people, more minorities, but it is the same drug, but like the differences in sentencing is ridiculous. If you get caught with this cup full of cocaine, you're going to get in big trouble. If you get caught with this cup full of crack, your life is over. Your life is over. Yeah. yeah. But it's the exact same substance, you know? So, I don't know, that's something we've talked about in class a little bit, because we've covered the prison system in America. Well, but, I don't know. Being a young person in the 90s, I've seen many people get sentences for crack that were incredible. I mean, three little small pieces of crack. I knew someone, and he did three years. First, first offense, first thing he ever did, first time he was ever in trouble. Mm. You know, very smart individual. When he got out, he uh, changed life around. He he works at PLU. He's you know he, he had a second chance with his life. He's not a dumb person by any means, and um, that's you're exactly right. They were profiling, and it was mostly younger. Uh, you know black individuals at that time that were getting in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they just let them do what they were doing because they knew where they were. They were forming. Uh, where was this normally? Where were they normally? That was on Hilltop. Hilltop. Mm-hmm. Mm. They, I mean, it was like a highway. You Cars would pull over and all you'd see for two blocks were cars pulled over on the street and people standing out there selling drugs. Police weren't doing nothing. But one day, they would pick one day and come in and just lock everybody up. Mm. But that might be after four or five months. Yeah. Um, all day long. Traffic. They didn't care. They figured it was a problem that was solving themselves. Black people are killing black people. And then when we decide that we want to put the blame on someone, we're just going to go bust them all. Where were they getting their drugs from? You weren't getting it from black people. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, of course not. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm not claiming to be an expert here. Obviously, I'm not. I'm an undergrad. Um, but there's a lot of studies that show the CIA put crack in a lot of black neighborhoods. Oh, they did. Yeah. They were helping fund the war so with a lot of that money. Yeah. So, and you've heard of Rick Ross. Yeah. Well, that's 
real situation. I mean, 16-year-old kids were driving Lamborghinis in California. Yeah. They were making so much money. And all that money was going right back to fund the war. Yeah. And when they needed a scapegoat, they blamed Rick Ross. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest drug dealer of all times and broke his heck right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, no, I just think it's amazing, like, uh, how the system reaches different people in different ways. Um, you know, years with being asleep in your car, you know, your friends, it was for having, like, less than, let's say, less than a gram of, of crack, you know, and it reached grandpa in its own way, you know, but, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting how Mine's worse than that. Like when I got in trouble with with the marijuana. I mean that ruined a ten year coaching career that I had and I didn't even get in trouble on school grounds or I had no involvement with anything that I had to do at the school. You know, and I hadn't been convicted of anything. I just they found it on me. I hadn't went to court or anything. So Six months later, the laws changed mm. to where we are now. Yeah. But it still ruined tenure career. What do you think some sort of, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, different styles of justice in, in our education courses. Distributive justice, you know, there's like linear justice, which is not always so good one type of justice um, what do you think a type of like equitable justice would that, would, around that would be like as far as like do you think they should go back and uh, grant um, extinguish any criminal record off of anyone who's had any nonviolent marijuana charges or any for that matter yeah I think so yeah I think so I think I think we will get there eventually I think that that's a high possibility, especially right now, because they're. Um, <clears throat> I think there's talk about that. Yeah. Mm. That would be great. Small possession charges of, of, of drugs, and um, I don't think they should have criminal charges on them, and I don't think the fines that were imposed on a lot of people should have been there. I think there's speaking about giving people back their money right now. Yeah. For things that were very minute. I mean, if you had a, a pipe in your pocket, you got possession. Mm-hmm. And then you got $1,200 fine. And Can't pay a fine the, on that and you get more fine. Yeah, all the stuff that went along with it. I mean, it's a lot of young people at the time that got that, those charges. So. Yeah. People that can defend themselves didn't have money to file the court system. Do you think that uh, they should try to find a way? Well, I guess it's already almost too late in some ways. But do you think they should tr- the government should try to do more regulation on the cannabis industry to try to make ownership of cannabis more distributive to all different groups of people? 
versus the small group of people that currently have a grip on the market. Yeah, it should be it should be open to more people. Yeah. Because the small group of people that do have control of it right now, they're just they're gonna they're gonna keep growing and it will keep anyone else from ever having a chance. Mm. Does it do you almost ever feel like the lawmakers or people in the government who are, you know, air quote on on your side or on people who wanted marijuana legalized side, does it almost feel like they lied? Like maybe they're really what drove them was their urge for money oh, yeah. over justice? Yeah, because a lot of the people that own these have these licenses and um, farms um, are people that would have never been on the other side before. Mm. Yeah. It, it's almost like they had an in before it was there and it was too late for anybody once it happened. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, there's the flip side to the coin, but for the most part, there is a lot of people involved that did not, would never have been involved before. And it's like, how did they even get a chance? That was, that was the other, that's people that were advocates not having foresight and, and jumping ahead of them a little bit. Would I like to have a license? I'd love to have a license. <laughs> I'd say to have a farm that'd be great do you think the left and when I say the left I mean like leftist politicians are ever deceptive in that way and are more of a capitalist politician than a democratic one I think a lot of times yeah I mean that's pretty I think a lot of times that's what drives them the most I understand. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's really the most of what I wanted to talk about. Um, in closing, like I said, it goes both ways. Is there anything you want to know about me? Feel free. No, I think you're straight. Nothing you've ever wanted to ask me. No, nothing? No. You're smiling. <laughs> no, I'm just smiling. No, there isn't anything that I wanted to ask you that I haven't asked you. You could though. I, 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 and I feel that I could. And I would, I would always try my best to answer in the, in the best way I could. Okay. But I wouldn't lie. Okay. I will remember that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Let It Out podcast. Once again, I am your host, Cameron Pope. Until next time, goodbye.